You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Thank you so much for joining for a very special episode here today. We got Tyson Watson, 2021 Michigan State recruit, defensive end out of Warren Mott. We had a lot of fun talking. Uh, It's going to be about 20 minutes, just over 20 minutes. So uh, the first 20, 30 minutes of this show are are me talking to you right now. And then uh, this interview Scott and I hopped on afterwards just to kind of recap the week in the football world. Uh, Mike Tressel deciding to to take the defensive coordinator job at Cincinnati. Uh, we had some kind of uh, light transfer news. Matt Allen and Matt Coughlin decided to come back. Our thoughts on that. So uh, great interview. Tyson Watson, my, my sincere thanks for coming on. I uh, really enjoyed it. Great kid. I think you guys will really enjoy this interview as well. Uh, talked about you know his relationships with Michigan State staff, uh, some of his good times in high school ball, some players he looks up to, and the kind of how he models his game. We really had a great conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. Follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU uh, at Spartan Martin eighteen as well. Follow on Instagram at Standing Room Spartans. We're going to get the YouTube up here soon, uh, but make sure you're subscribed on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast for Michigan State football content the entire year round. Once a week throughout the offseason, a couple times a week throughout the season as uh, things are really getting heated up. So really hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, For everybody that's new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you guys enjoy. And uh, here's Tyson Watson. And we are live here with a, a very special edition of the Standing Room Spartans podcast. We got a special guest here. We've been teasing for, for about a week now. Uh, we got 2021 defensive end recruit commitment to 2021 Michigan State class. Tyson Watson with us here today. Tyson, how we doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be on. Awesome. Hey, we're happy to have you. We'll talk some football here. Uh, I, we'll keep it light for the people. You know, we we got a bunch of stuff. Obviously, COVID's messing up everybody's life. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. So we'll we'll talk about your high school days. We'll we'll chat a little bit about your recruitment here, and then uh, looking forward to to your time at Michigan State. So, uh, just curious here to kind of go back. We'll start at the beginning. Like, when did you start playing football? I think I started playing like in the third, the fourth grade. Now I remember because I could have played in the third grade, but like I didn't want to play flag, so I had to like I went. So I just said no. I'm just waiting. And what ended up happening anyway is I played one year of like we had like freshman and JV varsity leagues, but I ended up playing one year of freshman league. And since my weight was so high, I had to go straight to varsity. <laughs> so I was like three years like behind playing varsity, like the varsity leagues as little kids. So yeah. I, I love it. Spoken like a true defensive lineman. Like, nah, I'm not playing that flag football. Get that out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I'm I'm curious with this, with a lot of guys your age, like when did you realize, so you're, you're playing high school football or maybe it was even before then, like, when did you realize that playing D one and then, you know, playing at big 10 level, playing at Michigan state was like a possibility for you. Um, it really was like me, like when I first like started going to camps, because like I grew up like playing. Everybody thought I was playing basketball because I was so tall, and I grew up playing basketball and doing AAU and stuff. And like basketball is cool, or whatever, but like it's nothing like on Friday nights. Like 
playing football, you know, it's like kind of got boring for me. So I really like just took on football and like every like since my like really like sophomore year, my dad was like, you got to really choose what you're going to do. And, like I was always naturally better at football anyway. And like, I liked it more. So yeah, for my sophomore year, I was like, okay, I can do this. Do you think you could have been recruited if you stuck to basketball? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't really. I, I didn't really enjoy it anymore. I like, used to as a kid. I was just playing it just because I always played it. I wasn't really like working at it. Like I work with football, so maybe if I would like worked at it and like stayed in the gym. But like, yeah. Yeah, from my experience, the guys that I played with, because I played with a couple guys. One guy that went to Michigan. Uh, he was a defensive lineman as well, and. Uh, he was, he was all right at basketball, but he, he didn't really have any touch around the rim. And, and I think that's a problem with a lot of the big guys, right? You're, you're lacking that yeah, touch. Like, people like, how could you miss a layup? I'm like, bro, like, <laughs> I, I grabbed like 20, like I averaged like 20 rebounds a game. Like go do something. Like my freshman year, I played basketball. I, I got like, I played like freshman and then like, I got most of JV. They didn't win a game. In my first game up, I got like 20 rebounds. 15 points, we won the first game, but, like, basically. Hey, you, you know your role. That's important, right? <laughs> and, it, and it's like, when you grab the rebound and you got fouled, you made, man, you make the shot and I wouldn't have to grab the rebound. You know? Just, <laughs> hey, you got a point. <laughs> so, uh, with the, the 2021 class, like, you guys, uh, we had the first signing period already, and then we got another right. signing day coming up. Like, how much have you guys gotten the chance to talk with each other? Obviously, there's a few local guys in Michigan, but you guys have, right. like, a group chat, or, or how do you guys stay in touch? Yeah, we, do. We, have, we have a group chat. We talk all the time. Everyone's pretty close, and we're all pretty cool. So, we all stay in contact all the time. And what's so I'm curious with with that dynamic there. Like, what's is there anybody that stands out? Like, who's like the funniest guy in the group chat? Um, Charles Bradley. Charles Bradley. He's like he's hilarious, but he's cool. But they're all they're from Florida and stuff, and like it's funny because like we don't understand how they talk sometimes. (laughs) Like, what do they even mean? <laughs> have you have you like gotten the chance to talk with those guys? Like, do they understand what's what's what they're in for with the winter up north? Like, <laughs> they don't understand. <laughs> I always wonder that when, especially now, like they haven't really gotten the chance to visit a lot of them, and you know they they talk about like Lamar Jackson was just talking before uh, the Ravens division uh, round game, and he's like, man, I've never played a game in the snow. Like, I'm from Florida. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. So, who is is there anybody in this class uh, that you, I, I'm actually trying to think? Like maybe this class, or maybe even last year's class, uh, going to Michigan State. Is there anybody that you played with or played against? Who did I play against? I don't. I think I went against Rashad Benny at some camps, but who have I played against? I was supposed to play face for shot this year in the season, but what happened was both of our both of our leagues, like they said, we're only doing conference games, so we didn't end up getting to play because we're not in the same conference. What about played against? I don't. No, but I didn't. I didn't play Stephen Boyd. No, no, I didn't play. I didn't play against anybody. Okay, and who? I, who was there? Is there anybody that stands out? Like who was the toughest offensive lineman you went against in high school? Um. So I was Marvin I went against. Um, probably the best one I went against was um Giovanni Ahadi. Probably the best white man I went against in high school. So yeah. And what's so what's that like, Matt? So you're you're a defensive lineman, and and when you got somebody across from you, that's just you're you're having a tough time breaking through. Like what what's going through your head in that moment and how do you I mean do you have any any kind of go to pass rush moves like what what do you go to in that moment Um probably go for like the long arm Um it also matters like what type of like defense like we're like going to like if you want me like we're containing or you want me to cut inside but sometimes like my like sometimes I just have free reign to do whatever I want to do like even if I like, outside contain like if I know I can get to the quarterback by inside move real quick, my coach is fail mine if I like know and I can read it and I can see where I want to go. So 
Yeah. And, and speaking of that too, like, have you, uh, I'm curious, have you talked to the MSU coaches or anything? Like, do you plan on playing outside your whole career? Are are you planning on moving around a little bit? I know you got the size to do both. I'm I'm moving around. I'm definitely, I'm definitely happy to like, I played inside a lot of my senior year of high school. And that's what I really like to do is play inside. But also like, um, I can play outside too. I can play football. Awesome. No, I, this uh, this staff has talked so much about, you know, they're looking for versatile athletes and stuff. So I'm sure you fit that profile perfectly. Um, now, tell me about like the, this coaching staff. So you were probably right. talking with the previous staff under D'Antonio and then everything changes up in Mel Tucker. Well, because Coach Burton was there in the old staff. So I was right. always talking to him. And he came over from to the new staff, so yeah, that was that was probably one of the biggest reasons because I was I was talking to him like maybe like a year before I even got offered, and we were talking back and forth. And once Tucker got in there, and they called me and offered me, you know, that was a big thing. But like this new staff, they're great. Coach Hazelton, the defensive coordinator, um, they're all big energy guys. They teach the order. They want to work, and they're always watching film and stuff. So they they they're great. Yeah, and and so talk about. Uh, Coach Burton, I, I know that's as the defensive line coach, that's probably the guy that you would communicate the most. I'm assuming, right. like, w- what's he like uh, when you get the chance to talk with him? Um, he's pretty like chill, cool, like calm, collected. I mean, probably not. We get up there, get start practicing, doesn't get loud, and you know, <laughs> we're not, you know. But like, yeah, he's he he's, he works hard. You know, I talked to him yesterday, like I'm watching film. Like we watched the film from the whole season, trying to figure out different things. He was texting me and telling me yesterday. So like, yeah, yeah. Did how, how much? Uh, you know, I like I said, I I wasn't good enough to go to go play D one or anything. I played with a couple guys. One of my teammates went to Michigan. Uh, like, what's what's that process like throughout the season? You've you've already committed. You're talking with the staff. I mean, are they talking with you on a regular basis, or how, how's that working for you? Yeah, every week, you know, Coach Anderson calls like calls like a lot more than everybody else. He's like, me and him, we talk, we talk about different things. He's cool, but yeah, they communicate with me every week. I talk to him every week. Yeah, talk on the phone, text. Right on. And uh, so, I'm curious here. We'll we'll talk a little bit about some like kind of fantasy situations here. So if you, if you could sit down and talk with any football player, dead, alive, active, retired. Uh, whoever that might be, right. is there anybody that stands out that you would love to get the chance to speak with? Um, I would love to, um, to speak with um, JJ Watt or even like Chase Young. That dude's an animal. Or like even like Tom Brady, just to learn his mindset. Like, how does he like work every, like, you know, it's a big mindset thing in football. And I'm going to learn, like, you know. How to keep that hard working mindset every day and wanting to be the best. Yeah, man, I that dude, I, I've never seen anything like it. Obviously, like the competitiveness, the you see him out there, he's like what 65 years old and he's still talking <laughs> crap. Like uh, it's unbelievable. He's a Michigan guy, obviously, but man, that dude's unbelievable. Is, is there anybody, you said J.J. Y. you said Chase Young, is there anybody, you know, college, professional, anybody that you really model your game after that you see a lot of, of what they do and, and try to incorporate that into your own game? So um, I, I do watch a lot, like I watch a lot of film. I've been watching, like, for like when, when I'm playing in, like outside, I watch a lot of Chase Young, just like working on my speed. He loves that swipe move. Um, so outside, so like I've been trying to really get better at that. And I love like using the long arm, and um, like sometimes bull rush. Like JJ Watt is great at the bull rush, just getting his arm extended. And it's like really powerful. So I watch him, and um, the Marcus Lawrence. I watch. Much. I, I really like. I don't model my game. I want to say one person. I watch a lot of like different like and different body types. Try to figure out what's best for me. Yeah, no, you, I mean, Hey, you got those long arms. You might as well use them, right? There's uh there's certain situations. There's certain offensive linemen that, that just can't handle that. And like Michigan state, you know, we've watched a lot of different type of guys come through that program. We had Kenny Willekes. He was kind of a short arm guy. He used a lot of, a lot of footwork, a lot of just general, like, you know, we talk about motivation and competitiveness that that guy was unbelievable. And then you go wasn't back. He, wasn't he a- wasn't he a walk on? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's I think he didn't even get on the field until like redshirt sophomore year and then yeah, just blew oh. up, man. Once he got that opportunity. Um you go back like William Golston, five star kid, just unbelievable athlete, built up a I, I don't I can't remember a more powerful defensive lineman that we've had. Uh that was when I was in school. And uh yeah, I mean we've had a lot of guys come through there, but the the kind of length, speed to power, I mean that can, that can be something that you know we haven't had here in a couple of years. So I think uh, a lot of people are really excited to see uh what you can do up there. Now, what do you have? Uh, do you have a number picked out? What what number are you looking for to to, to wearing at Michigan State? Well, well, here's the thing: me, um, me, Harmon, and um, Rashad, we all wear 55 in high school. Oh, so we'll see. <laughs> you guys are gonna I, I have to. Think, I, I don't think Derek wants 55. I think I heard him say he doesn't want it. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. You and uh, you and Rashawn Benny gonna have to battle it out or something is there i'm trying to think is there anybody on the current roster that's 55 um can't think off the top of my head but is it does that does that number have any like special meaning for you is is there any special reason for that or or just uh pick a number out of a hat and, um, and warn it your whole career my freshman year of high school i got moved to varsity for playoffs and uh yeah that week was a while ago and it's like like they just gave me 55 and they gave me my sophomore year when I started on varsity. So like, I just always kept it. Love it. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, now, you know, a couple things kind of, again, looking forward to, to your time at MSU, um, you obviously it's a brand new coaching staff and everything, and, and you're kind of coming in what's uh tell me about because i know you're you're on social media all the time you got a good following there mel tucker's been you know really engaging on social media more than you know we had mark d'antonio for a long time he kind of stayed away from that kind of stuff um does that kind of stuff like excite you you know he's posting you know sneakers and he's posting all this kind of stuff and um is that something that you were looking for when you were going through your recruitment um, I don't know if I was looking for like an active coach on social media, but like definitely like that, that that's cool. Like you gotta like adapt to the new generation, understand what they want and what they want to see. So like definitely for recruits, they love to see like coaches active social media, and that's just like all boring and just like oh that's not cool. Like we all like you gotta adapt and evolve, you know, even if you don't want to. Yeah. And no, I always wonder that. Cause I, I think about football coaches and they're all just football dudes who don't mess with technology. They just, you know, yeah. and, and I, I picture just, it, it's kind of a new wave of this. And it's really interesting for me. Was there, was there any other schools like, you know, that were, let's say in the running, like if you, if you never got a Michigan state offer, like where else were you thinking about going? Um, I think my top my top three, um, it was Michigan State, Iowa State, and Tennessee, and um, um, I'll probably like yeah those those three. Um, Toledo was up there too. Toledo was actually like uh, yeah those were really good coaches. Those guys recruited me really hard. So the glass yeah board. yeah I've been up there for a few time few times. So yeah and um, yeah, Iowa State they were um, really good. Awesome. Well, hey, we're glad we got the offer here. What's uh, you know, we we kind of talked about this before we started recording, so I won't, I won't make you share your whole thoughts on on the situation, but but give the people a little bit of uh, uh, comments. What what do you think about Michigan? What do you think about that school down the road? Um, I think that's just like our rival team. We got to beat every year. Um, and and too much talking needs to be done. And I think we we see that showed on the field. So. perfect no I, lo- I love the mentality that's something that uh, I'm sure you'll find really early in your career you know Michigan State we we've th- this rivalry obviously you're you're from here you know you you know what how much this means to to people around here and uh that that's going to be something that you know Kirk Cousins talked about when he left man he he went undefeated against Michigan and that was above everything else like the 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 one thing he took away from from his Michigan State football career now uh just a couple more questions here we'll get you out of here I know you you got some other stuff that you're 
uh, taken care of. I'm curious, like with, with this recruiting class, right? You, you got most of the guys signed. I think we're, we're probably looking at, you know, a couple more before signing day, hopefully, but um, I, I'm always curious, like, are you watching these guys highlights? Like, are, are you looking at all these other guys you're bringing in together? Are you watching their highlights? Are you seeing what kind of players these guys are? Sometimes I'll go in there, like, I wonder how this guy, how good this guy is, you know, while I watch highlights, you know, sometimes. Like, like if a guy texts me, like, yo, he me off from Michigan State, and I go watch your highlights, and, yeah, and then it's like, I'm, but, some, but not really, though, like, not really. I don't really watch going to guys like, oh, let me look at this. Again. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm always wondering about that. Like, uh, how much are you thinking about, oh, did they, you know, this is a bad dude we're bringing in or, or, hey, I got to compete with this guy. Like, this dude's got some skill. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I'm always wondering if, if you're watching the other defensive line commits or, or what's going on there. Uh, let's see here. I, that's, that's, uh, about wrapping it up here. Now I've every interview I do, I I have a very important question here before we wrap it up. Uh, it's something that's, that's very special, very personal to me, uh, and my football career. I need your honest opinion here, Tyson. What, what do you think about kickers? Um, I think they're underrated. They have my, man. Underrated, my man. My <laughs> man. They have an underrated job. To be able to, like, I try to kick a ball. Like, what? Like, I can't even get, like, five feet <laughs> off the ground. That is hard to do. I love it. Hey, you just you just became uh, a fan favorite here at Standing Room Spartans. That's uh, – now, I, I was a kicker in high school, and that's, that's um, you know, I, I, I think we're underappreciated in, in the game of football, but – uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. Tyson, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I'll give right. you a minute here. If, if you want to shout anybody out, if, if you want to, uh, uh, say anything else before we wrap up here, you got anything to, to say to the people? Um, no, I'm good. Thank you for having me on. You know, I'm excited. Awesome. Well, Hey, I appreciate the time. Like I said, I know you're busy. We'll, we'll let you get back to your life here. Really looking forward to seeing you in the green and white. Really looking forward to seeing you at Spartan Stadium. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on your career here. And uh, hopefully uh, that's, uh, you know, well, actually, last question before I let you go here. Uh, the the Talking about the 2021 class, you guys got the group chat and everything. I asked you, you know, who's who's the funniest guy in the group chat? Who's another guy that you think that we could have on? Another guy you think w- would have some good stories for me? I think Ethan Boys, boys really, I think you need to get Hampton Faye on. He's pretty quiet, but I feel like he has something to say. He, he, he talks a lot. He's probably, probably the most quiet person. He, probably, he just got a Snapchat, so. <laughs> <laughs> those quarterbacks. Guys, that's... All right, well, hey, I'll, I'll hold you to it, helping me out getting those guys on. But I, I, appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the time. Like I said, we're all looking forward to seeing you at Michigan State. So I uh, appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. All right. So hopefully everybody enjoyed that interview with Tyson Watson, had a great time talking to him again. Great kid. I really think he's going to have a lot of success in East Lansing. Uh, He's well-spoken and as far as team leadership, as far as class leadership, um, I think this kid has everything you look for when, when you combine it with uh, on the field talent production. So Great kid. Glad everybody got the chance to hear from him. We'll be doing a few more of those throughout the offseason here, trying to get some people in for interviews. Uh, We'll try to set that up as we go here. Uh, But we did want to make sure there's been quite a bit of news here over the last week or so. So we wanted to tack on a little bonus content for you at the end. Got Scott on with me. Scott, you actually haven't heard uh, the interview yet. So you're in the dark just as much as everybody else. I'm holding my cl- my cards close to the vest here, uh, but we're we're sitting here on a Sunday before uh, championship uh, football games start up. Uh, how we doing? Doing good. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it. Um, I will be listening, like you said, along with the rest of the masses here uh, when this podcast drops tomorrow. Today's obviously Sunday when we typically record. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of little news. Nothing kind of monumental, but a lot of kind of little little things to go over here and uh 
Spartan basketball. Hopefully we'll finally be back this week before the next time you hear from us. Rumor is that we are going to try to play this Thursday. So um, I'm not, I, I know we don't go over basketball, you know, but it is kind of an off season entertainment thing for both of us. So uh, hopefully just have something to watch in the evenings again, coming up here. It feels like it's been like two months since we've seen them, even though it's only been a couple weeks. Yeah, obviously, like you said, I mean, it's, it's an MSU football pod, but look, we're MSU grads, we're MSU sports fans. Like, it's not like we're not watching these games. So it is tough. It is one of those things that gets us through the, the doldrums of winter and uh, yeah, not, not being able to see those guys out in the courts tough. So hopefully we get everything under control. Hopefully everybody's healthy and safe and all of that. But um, as far as the news, I guess we'll start with, I think what's probably the biggest of the last week here since we recorded uh, Cincinnati is hiring our, our former defensive coordinator last year, our safeties coach, uh, Mike Tressel. Uh, he's heading to Cincinnati joining Luke Fickle's staff there to be the defensive coordinator. I know their defensive coordinator got hired out to a bigger school. So uh, he's going to come in there. There are two guys. This was kind of linked for, for quite some time. They're two guys that work together at Ohio State. They've been uh, basically in talks ever since we were talking about, you know, Luke Fickle coming to Michigan State last offseason. That was kind of one of the talking points. So Trestle's out. That that leaves a little bit of a void here uh, at the safety position. Mel Tucker has hinted that they are kind of getting, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're keying in on somebody. Um, so we should have that news here pretty soon. But the loss of Mike Trestle, Scott, it, how impactful is this? What are your thoughts here after, I mean, quite a long time here at Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's certainly more noteworthy than a typical departure of a, of a position coach, right? Obviously, like you mentioned, he was our defensive coordinator, a pretty successful one. Uh, there's mixed, mixed opinions on whether he was kind of riding the coattails of the guys who came before him or, or if he was really, um, you know, the guy that, that led those defenses, um, you know, the 17, 18, 19 defenses that really had, had great numbers through some of the tougher years of the D'Antonio era. Um, and we'll see. I mean, at Cincinnati, they got some good going and he's going to have a great program to build on down there. So obviously, best of luck to him. Uh, as far as what it means for the program, it's I mean, there's there's pros and cons um, to one respect. Um, Harlan Barnett's been a defensive coordinator and a defensive backs coach. He, you know, he's led kind of an entire defensive backfields before. So from that respect, we have good experience kind of remaining. Obviously, he's our cornerbacks coach right now. Um, we'll see who they hire as a safeties coach, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot of leadership. It's a lot of experience and, and safeties are a position that outside of, you know, Xavier Henderson, who we, we even said last week may have taken a bit of a step back last year, or last season. Um, we've got a lot of young guys that need to be developed. Um, we talked a lot about the, the new guys coming in and gravely and Kirk, you've got guys like snow, um, a couple other guys, obviously Trey Person. We'd love to see it take a step forward if he's if he's going to be the guy again at free safety. So it's kind of a uh, an interesting position to lose your position coach um, on this team. There's a lot of guys that are going to be leaning on development this off season. So hopefully, like you said, uh, Mel Tucker's got a guy in mind. Hopefully, he's excited about that guy. We'll, we'll obviously go over that higher once it's announced. Um, but I think you know, for Mike Tressel, it's the right move. He he was a defensive coordinator. Um, being demoted in your own program. It's, it, it's kind of awkward. Um, maybe it was just because of the timing last year and, you know, Mel Tucker kind of threw my bone to say, Hey, I know it's kind of late in the game to get a DC job. Why don't you stick around for a year um, and find your spot next year? And uh, I think he, he really probably found a perfect place for him to be right now. So um, yeah, all in all great for Mike Tressel. Uh, as far as what it means for our team, we'll see uh, a little nervous, but we have, we have a good squad. So we'll see. Yeah. That you mentioned something there that I give him a lot of credit for, and that's being publicly demoted uh, from a defensive coordinator to a safety position and sticking with it. Right. I, I we didn't hear anything about Mike Trestle causing any problems about Mike Trestle's ego getting in the way about anything. Right. And this is a 47 year old coach who was a defensive coordinator at a power five program 
who got demoted when a new coach comes in and to ride that out to, to accept the situation for what it was. And from all, by all accounts, uh, you know, be a productive member of this staff, give him a whole lot of credit for, and, and we're certainly going to miss him at Michigan state. Look, even before his days as a defensive coordinator, he was a linebackers coach that, you know, he coached up Greg Jones. He coached up Max Bola. Like he, he had his hands on, a lot of great players that came through this program during that time gets promoted to co-defensive coordinator and then ultimately takes the sole job when Harlan Barnett left for Florida state. And he's, he's done nothing but coach great defenses here. And yeah, you can say uh, a lot of that might be credited to, to the holdovers of Pat Narduzzi to Mark D'Antonio, who was a defensive guy to, the talent that we had on the teams, but Mike Trussell certainly had his hand in a lot of that. We're definitely going to miss him and ultimately just wish him luck at Cincinnati and, and wherever the the next step is. Like I say, he's a young guy. He's, he's not even 50 years old. So in terms of coaching, he's still got plenty of time. Uh, really interested to see where his career goes from here. Like is Cincinnati kind of the, the, the launching pad for something bigger does Cincinnati hitch their wagons onto a bigger conference and suddenly become a more sought after destination, right? That's a school that they have a big time basketball program that they can flaunt. They have a football program now who has, you know, a top 10 finish. They, they have a couple great seasons under their belt the last few years. And Luke fickle, he keeps getting brought up as this name, like, Oh, he's going somewhere else. He's going somewhere else. Well, it's been like three years now and he hasn't gone anywhere. And there's been a lot of jobs to open up, right? Texas, Michigan State, uh, you know, you go down the list of, of big time programs that would have certainly loved to have him uh, and, and he stayed put. So maybe there's something on the horizon for the Cincinnati program. I don't know. But uh, either way, Mike Trussell, great Spartan, uh, you know, loved having him here and, and ultimately uh, wishing him the best as, as he moves on to greener pastures. Um, since it, man, that, that just kind of came up off the top of my head, but Cincinnati would be a really intriguing ad for any conference in terms of their kind of overall athletic. I would love to have Cincinnati in the big 10, like give me Cincinnati over Rutgers. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, they, I was just thinking more about their conference and, and you mentioned, obviously we're talking whether they would leave the American athletic conference, but I think the AAC more than any other group of five school has the most potential to elevate kind of their program into, I don't think they're a power five necessarily, but you know, you look at the teams, they've had UCF, Memphis, Cincinnati, uh, Temple, SMU, Houston, Tulsa, all these teams have had years over the last four five, six years where they've been like one of, if not the premier group of five at least football team yeah in, in um, multiple sports too right? yeah you've like, got UConn basketball. basketball team right now yeah yeah so it's I mean do they leave potentially I mean I think we haven't seen a lot of conference realignment as far as schools moving conferences over the last I don't know half a decade um feels like since like the the group of five shake up um, I think the Big East collapse was like the last time we really saw a big shakeup. So it, it hasn't been happening a lot lately. I think the Power Five, Group of Five is kind of, I know there's a lot of chatter about it. I think it's really working for a lot of these conferences, um, the way it's set up now. And I think the AAC is pretty confident in where they are. I mean, the Pac 12's been slipping for a while. They're going to have a new commissioner. We'll see what that means. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now you're talking about the AAC as the fifth power five conference. I mean, I think they're at that spot. I think it depends whether their member schools want to stick around and try to build the conference, or if they're looking for greener pastures earlier, trying to get that power five money, um, you know, when it's available, but yeah, I mean, Cincinnati is certainly in a great position. They've had great basketball teams, um, not year in and year out, but, you know, relatively consistently for a smaller school and, uh, and their football team hasn't really looked like it, it's going to take a step back like we've seen from teams like Boise State or UCF. Um, you know, if Fickle leaves, we'll see what happens. But it's it's an intriguing um, situation down there. Yeah, and so, you know, going back to Michigan State side of things here, uh, elsewhere we have uh, a little bit of transfer news here. 
Uh, we got a division two defensive back out of North Greenville, I believe. And that's Kendall Brooks coming in. Uh, I'll be honest, I, Scott, I think you've done a little bit more digging into this kid than I have. I uh, haven't really had the time to sit down and, and uh, dig deep into him. I, I believe he's, he's coming in as a walk-on, right? He's not taking a scholarship. I believe that's the case. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there was some chatter. There wasn't as much chatter as around some of the other transfers we've seen. Um, I don't expect this guy to be making a year one impact. I think it's more of a, you know, get a foothold in the program, use the the resources to develop yourself and see what can be, you know, see what you can get yourself into a couple years down the road. But nonetheless, always great to have more talent um, in town. So hopefully, uh, you know, sooner than later, we'll start to hear his name. Yes. And as far as transfer guys, um, there's a couple people who've come out recently that I think are interesting, right? People always say, Oh, we need a linebacker. We need a DB. Um, I, I, I always try to throw out some names who, who might come up. Anthony Rousseau was one, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard here. Uh, my back is a little bit sore already, but uh, I was throwing out Anthony Rousseau like two months before we ended up being on that one. So I'll, I'll throw a couple darts here. We'll see if any of them stick. Uh, there was two linebackers that came out this week that I thought were really intriguing players. One being uh, Akeel Jones from Colorado. Now he wasn't recruited by Mel Tucker, but obviously he did play a season under him. He was a t- class of 2016, uh, 77 tackles in his career, a few tackles for loss. That could be a name to keep an eye out for. And then Tennessee with all of the, I don't even know what you want to call it. Just chaos going on down there in Knoxville. Uh, apparently, allegedly uh, paying recruits just McDonald's bags full of cash. Uh, they had a few people transfer out. One of them, former four-star linebacker Henry To'o To'o. I'm probably butchered that, but uh, 140 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss in two seasons there. Uh, from everything I read from within the Tennessee program, that's somebody that they are really not happy about losing one of their best defensive players. So that's somebody that I think a lot of people around the country are going to be after, uh, but that's going to be one to keep an eye out for if we're really trying to bring in a potential starter. So uh, I think there are, is going to be some news on the horizon. Mel Tucker, even uh, as recently as last week has said like over and over again, like we're not done. We're not done. We're going to keep bringing these guys in, like stay tuned basically. So Mel Tucker's, uh, you know, pushing the, uh, pushing the narrative as much as we are that the, the, the transfer portal incoming guys, uh, we're certainly not finished with that. Yeah, they've got, I mean, they talked a little bit, I don't remember when it was, but recently about how they want to structure their scouting, um, I guess, program or organization. And they talked about setting it up like an NFL organization where you've got, you know, NFL teams typically have NFL scouts who are scouting free agents, other teams. And then you've got your college scouts who are scouting, you know, potential draft picks and up and coming names, you know, in lower levels. So they're kind of doing it the same way at Michigan State. At least this is my understanding. You've got your high school recruits. You've got your transfer recruits, your grad transfers, your overseas. Um, not that, you know, that's not that there's a whole lot of football talent overseas, but um, it's interesting. And, and you know, this team, they, they've talked consistently that they recruit every day. I think we saw a commitment on Christmas Day. Uh, I think we saw one on the <laughs> insurrection day, if you will, um, <laughs> January 6th. You know, it felt like the whole world was shut down and all of a sudden, you know, you're scrolling Twitter to, to get the latest news and an MSC transfer pops up. So, yeah, these guys are working consistently. A much needed distraction. <laughs> <laughs> much needed. Um, they're working consistently and, and, you know, they've kind of, come with rumors or without rumors you know some of them have been teased some of them haven't so they've, they've been keeping us on our toes in the best way and hopefully like you said we'll see some more names dropping in soon yeah so i i i love that approach like you said kind of building this out like a professional staff a professional uh team would so i i think we're gonna certainly be seeing a lot more talent uh, in terms of talent, coming back, a little segue to a couple guys we, we've talked about, Jacob Panishuk deciding to come back. We've talked about Drew Beasley announcing he's going to come back for another year of eligibility. Uh, two guys here this week, Matt Allen, the center, 
and Matt Coughlin, my guy, uh, we were bringing back the kicker with 299 career points. He just wanted to bust over that 300 point barrier, I think. But now I, I think for me and Scott, I'll let you kind of take this wherever you might, but obviously everybody who listens to this pod knows I have a soft spot in my heart for kickers. As a former kicker myself, uh, I, I really, and you hear Tyson Watson talk about his affinity for kickers. Uh, I, I think this is actually, you know, bias aside. I think this is huge because having an experienced kid back there, college kickers, you never know what you're going to get. And we've been spoiled for years with, with good productive kickers that you can rely on. And Matt Coughlin, he even increased his range a little bit this year. He hit a couple from deep, something that we hadn't seen in his last three years, but this is somebody with uh, 85 career attempts. This is somebody who's been in big moments, hit game winning kicks and somebody you can ultimately really rely on late in a game, uh, closing out a half. These are such important momentum swing plays, game-winning kicks. Like Having an experienced kicker that you know you can count on is huge. And so Matt Coughlin coming back for me is as impactful as anybody, as impactful as a Jacob Panishuk, as a Drew Beasley Again, personal bias aside, having somebody with four full years of starting experience, I think is is absolutely massive. Yeah, I mean, completely echo your your comments. Um, you know, it, it's often overlooked, I think, but the reason so many players love kickers is is because you know he's the guy who bails you out, right? If your if your offense stalls you know, in the red zone or, or a little bit outside the red zone, you still get something out of the drive. Uh, it builds the confidence in the team. You know, your play calling, you know, okay, you know, we're inside the 30. I can take a risk here. If I don't get it, we'll get a field goal. All that changes if if you don't have a reliable kicker. And, and it extends to specialists in general. You look at kind of the punting situation we had on the team uh, this previous season and how much just something like not having a good punter impacted our team. It felt like, it felt like game changing plays when we had bad punts. Um, and, and it's the same with kickers and it, it, even more so with kickers because it, it's, you know, dictating the score. So um, yeah, huge Matt Allen, I think is, is also really important. He obviously wasn't playing as much uh, by the end of this past season as he had in years past. So um, obviously it's going to be on him to earn playing time once again. And the staff has shown that they're not, you know, being loyal to guys just because they've been in the program for a long time. But, you know, we've talked about it before. Having depth and experience on the offensive line is is always important and valuable. Um, whether or not that, you know, translates to winning games, a good play, um, you know, is yet to be seen. But but just having that experience back there is really important, especially with a lot of younger guys we're bringing in to try to develop. So um, both really excited to have them back um, and, and should be great, you know, pieces to add into the machine for this coming year and lastly there the kind of last bit of msu news uh nothing you know groundbreaking but we did have some of the guys that were coming in early select their numbers we got a little uh promo video from from the football uh social media accounts uh including the two transfers so i love player numbers i think it's always uh an interesting I, I like the aesthetics of football. I think it's it's maybe a, a personal, like romanticized kind of thing, but I, I love the aesthetics and I think it is, it, it doesn't really make a difference, but I think uh, a, a defensive lineman wearing single digits, like I love that. There's just something about it, especially when it's like the 330 pound nose tackle who's wearing like number four. Like I, I love that. And so um, these are some, uh, interesting things here. I want to throw out. We got Michael Gravely, the, the safety coming in wearing number 12. I think that's a great choice. Athletic number, Anthony Rousseau, 15, good quarterback number, Hamp Fay, freshman quarterback coming in number five. Decent. I, I'll, I'll give that like a B plus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Drew Jordan, pass rusher, number two. Love Perfect. that one. Uh, Ethan Boyd uh, coming in, incoming uh, freshman tackle, offensive tackle number 77, great tackle number. And Cam Allen, the tight end, coming in with number 82. Uh, Scott, any of those stand out to you? I know this is hard-hitting journalism, <laughs> but. 
No, I, I love that, you know, like you said, the defensive lineman with, with low numbers. Um, number two reminds me of like a, a William Golston, uh, one of our only Spartans still going in the NFL for Tampa Bay. Um, for those of you who, who are, are watching the NFL these days. Um, yeah, no, they all make sense. I love it. Cam Allen, 82, a receiving number. Um, I know he's been a guy who, who's more of a receiving tight end, which is always exciting. Not to knock, you know, the, the blocking tight ends, but, uh, you know, it's always nice. Dan to Campbell, have nice... blocking tight end. <laughs> Dan. Oh, God, we don't need to do that right now. <laughs> um, no, yeah, so so I have a question for you, Kevin. Um, actually, two questions. So uh, I was going to ask, what number would you wear? And because we're on it, what position would you play? Because I think those are, are intertwined. And you can't choose kicker. I know that'd be your first <laughs> choice, but I'm going to make you choose something other than kicker. So, yeah, obviously I would be a kicker. But, um, no, I think as far as the number, it, it depends, obviously, on the position you're playing. One thing I, I think that I want to uh, – a public service announcement, and this is for young wide receivers – Let's stop neglecting the eighties, man. What, what happened to a good, like number 88 wide receiver? Like what, what happened to that? I, I just, I love the, the teens. I think it's, it's a great look for, for an athletic wide receiver, but you bring in like a, a dominant number 88. I think there's, there's few things that are better in the sport of football that a dominating wide receiver, number 88, the teens are great. Everybody loves the low digits, you know, back in like the high school days when it was, uh, you know, the, the, the day to pick the number, you know, those were the sought after the single digits, the, the teens, because it's, it's a more athletic number, but I, I do love a good eighties wide receiver. And I, I feel like we're, we're missing out on those a little bit. Um, as far as numbers to avoid, we'll, we'll kind of uh, compress this in a different way. Anything in the 40s, get that away from, get that away from me. I, I don't want anything in the 40s. It's a bad look. It, it's, a, it's a completely just unathletic number. Uh, I don't love numbers in the 50s. I think depending on the position, um, we talked with Tyson Watson. You'll hear, or you just heard, uh, number 55. I think you can get away with 55. I think you can get away with 51 or 52. I, there's oh, something. Of, eh, no, like a linebacker. No, I can't. I, I can't get down with that. No, I love a linebacker in the thirties. That's a good look, but yeah, it depends on the position. I, but I think as far as like, you know, my, for me personally, uh, I'm, I'm about six, three, I'm pretty tall. And so I would be a wide receiver. I would pick number 88 and that would be like my, you know, if, if you maximized all of my, like create a player Madden athletic traits and made me more than the, the kicker that I turned out to be, uh, that would be me. I'd be a six, three, you know, boundary wide receiver, red zone threat, number 88 going up contested catches, uh, you know, think like Michael Irvin, think, uh, you know, some of those kind of guys from, from the past, but that would be, that would be my kind of ideal spot. Uh, anything stand out to you? Yeah. I mean, I I've always pondered the, the position. Um, I'm, I'm also six two, so, um, kind of molds to a lot of different positions on the field. I'd love to say quarterback, but I don't think I have, have the muster for that. So I think if I really, if I went through with it, I would have landed at like a strong safety, not fast enough to really play like DB. Um, but, but, you know, I always love to hit um, and, and see the field from back there. So I'm going to go with strong safety um, numbers. I'm definitely not big enough for anything like forties through seventies, really. I think that's off limits for, you know, slimmer guys like you and me. Um, I always liked 18. That's kind of just, I was born on the 18th, a lot of different, it kind of follows me around, but I don't know if that molds to, to safety. So I'm going to go with like 22. I think it's a good hitter That's number. Good, yeah. You got like a Harrison Smith, you know, in the NFL. Was, it, was it's Brian just, Dawkins number 32? What? Brian Dawkins. Dawkins was twenties. I want to say 20. He was 20, number 20, okay. which I like, but that's too athletic for me. I mean, you got like a Barry <laughs> Sanders in 20. You got Brian Dawkins. 
Um, but yeah, we gotta no, be we gotta be realistic even in our even in our fantasy <laughs> worlds. <laughs> Twenty two, dial back the athleticism a little bit, pack a little bit of a punch. Uh, I'm going to go with 22. I totally agree with what you said about wide receivers. We need to get back in the 80s. You've got Jerry Rice at number 80. You've got Kelvin and T.O. at number 81. You've got uh, Des Bryant at 88. I mean, you got to be in there. Yeah, I mean, these guys were were all legends. Ocho Cinco named himself after his number, (laughs) uh, literally changed his name to it. So, no, yeah, I, I love it. I love the pageantry of it. It's total bullshit. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, but we're here to be entertained. So we might as well, you know, let the numbers entertain us as well. Yeah, like there's something too, and this is one that I that I, I forgot to bring up in terms of like, do not do this. I know he was transitioning from punter. I get it. But Tyler Hunt marching out there oh. with number 97 was such a bad look, man. That is... Speaking that's, of blocking that's tight ends, bottom like, of the barrel, like you're going down, reaching into the box, like, all right, uh, we got 97 left. We got, uh, you know, 74, like who, who's, who's left? Who, who are the walk-ons who still haven't picked their Jersey number? I think blocking tight ends are perfect in the nineties, but Tyler Hunt is not a blocking tight end. <laughs> like you got like a big guy, you know, 280 pounds, like a, uh, Darren Fells kind of type, um, put him in like a 96, 97, whatever, put him on the end of the line, still can catch the ball. I think there's some, I don't know, is it college or pros that has like ball carrying eligibility based on your number? They got all kinds of that in the pros, but yeah, like a pro, Um, a pro Dion Sims would be perfect for that. Like he was pretty athletic at Michigan state uh, as a tight end. But once he got to the NFL, they bulked that dude up to like 290 and just put him on the end of the line as basically a, uh, another offensive tackle, like get him yeah. in the nineties. And, and I'm cool with that. Yeah. I think receiving tight ends, they have to find their way into the eighties if they're going to be touching the ball. Like it's just that that's the only um, decade of numbers, if you will, um, where, you know, receiving tight ends belong in my opinion but uh but i mean tyler hunt if he's if he wants to be productive in 97 i'll take it right i mean he looked a heck of a lot better than a lot of people expected (laughs) so maybe he's gonna start a trend yeah and that's one of those things where i think once you get a full season is it you probably got used to it and he's like you know what i'm gonna do 97 like you guys are gonna laugh at me like no this is my thing i don't know maybe he just kind of makes that a staple but it is not a good look i can tell him that pretty objectively (laughs) Uh, before before we get out of here we wanted to just do a quick like uh you know we in in uh in honor of the interview here today uh we originally saw sat down we're like maybe we could do like a, a you know kind of dream interview for michigan state football or a dinner party you know you're you're sitting down at a bar with three uh retired current michigan state athletes like who would they be we're going to push that back to a future episode. Uh, we wanted to make sure we get gave that a little more time and thought, but uh, we did have a quick hitter. Like if we, if you hit Mark D'Antonio with some truth serum and he, he, he answered your question fully, thoughtfully, truthfully, completely honesty, and you got the full story. Like, what question would you ask? Again, you get one question, which makes this extremely difficult for me because I would have hundreds going through my head as I'm sitting down for that. But, Scott, I'll let you kick this one off. Does does anything really stick out to you? Like, I am dying to know the answer to this question. I mean, this is definitely biased towards the, the latter half of his tenure, but around like the coordinators and Dave Warner and everything that was made of that. Right. Um, I would ask if emotions like didn't exist, like relationships weren't a thing. Emotions weren't a thing. It was just like win football games, hire the staff. You need to do it. What would you do differently? Um, would he have hung on to Dave Warner? Did he truly believe in his coordinator's ability to, you know, win games through play calling and through player development or was it truly you know a lot of people said like the the country club effect of you know wanting to keep your guys around not wanting to hurt anybody's feelings you know what was it so I'd love to know we'll never know um and and I mean it's water under the bridge at this point I think but 
I often wonder, you know, it was there, we don't see a lot behind the curtains of what these coaches bring to practice every day, you know, their style of relating to players. We don't know really at the end of the day, much about Dave Warner other than the plays that he was calling. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to know. That would be one. Yeah. Where, especially with the hindsight where you're talking to him today, you're not talking to him in 2017. You're not talking to him in 2019. You're talking to him today knowing everything we know, knowing how it worked out, how, how would he have done something differently? I, that's, I think a lot of Michigan state fans are with you on that one. We'll, we'll, (laughs) we'll put it that way. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of questionable staff, uh, you know, decisions that were made uh, towards the end of his tenure, but Man, I, I know like this is kind of a cop out, but I'm going to rattle off a couple that that would stick out and then I will go with one final question. But like, I would love to know, um, like, tell me everything you truthfully feel about Jim Harbaugh, right? That would be one where I'm like, I, that's going through my head where I'm like, just brutally honest, like, tell me what you think about him. Um, you know, what, what was your favorite win against Michigan and why, like, you know, was there one that just really stuck out? Like we wanted to hammer these dudes. There was the one where we ran up the score at the end of the game. Like, why did you get that time? Right. Like, why did you go for that score? Um, you know, one of the, the ones that I think I already know the answer to it, but like, you know, between Connor cook and Kirk cousins, like, you know, if you were restarting the program tomorrow, who would you pick and why? I think I know the answer to that. So I wouldn't, I I wouldn't waste it on this question. The one that I landed on, if it weren't the, the, the staff question, because I think that would have to be the first one, but what were your honest, truthful, genuine feelings going into the college football playoff game against Alabama. You're on the plane ride. Mm-hmm. You're sitting in the film room. What, tell me everything you were feeling, because obviously as a football coach, you have the responsibility to your team to instill confidence to, you know, Hey, anything can happen. All of this. Did he truthfully believe that they were walking into that stadium with a chance to win or was he walking into that stadium with like, man, I really hope we don't get blown out. Like, man, I really hope we can put a couple points on the board here. Like I, I would love to know. And again, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this because Mark D'Antonio was somebody who walked around and carried himself with a lot of conviction, but I, man, I would just love to know like this, the first time you sat down and turned on the film against Alabama, like what was going through your head? as you're watching Derrick Henry, you know, like what, what's going through your head. So I, I think that would be the land. I would, I would ultimately pick the one that you said, right. If, if I had the one question, but um, if that was taken, I think that's the direction I would go, but Jim Harbaugh, I think that would be a close second. Yeah. It'd be fun to sit both of them down and, and oh dose them God. up with some truth serum <laughs> and just let them roll. Um, Jim no, Harbaugh yeah, the, truth serum. I would be, tr- I would be truly scared of what would come out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. You could, you could sell that pay-per-view, you know, if, <laughs> if you needed to, if you needed a few extra bucks, no, the, the Bama question, it, it'd be interesting now versus like, if you ask him that the day before the game versus you ask him that now, I think the answer is different. Like, coaches are not immune to like the, the delusion of football. And, and sometimes that's good for their team, right? Like you, you get, you have a convinced Mark D'Antonio walking into AT&T stadium saying to himself, like 50, 50, we, we very well could win this game. Like to- looking back hindsight, totally delusional. Right. But mm-hmm. for his team, I mean, th- I'm sure you would play better with that opinion than, than a, Oh God, I hope we don't get, get blown out. It'd be interesting to see now, though, if he would maintain that, like, oh, if we had a few breaks, you know, the momentum shifts at halftime, you know, we score that touchdown and it's 10 to seven at the half, like maybe we could have pulled it out. Or would he just be like, yeah, I mean, I was crazy. I had to be. But, you know, you go back and look at that film and we did not have a chance. Um, No, great questions. Yeah, no, I I think that you could have a lot of great questions that would stem off of that. Like the other one that came to mind was, you know, when you took that Michigan State job originally back in what, 2007, 
what yep. you know what were your kind of wildest goals right when you sit down and think all right best case scenario like did you think it was possible to go to a rose bowl to go to a college football playoff like was that in the cards because man our program at that time was that that wasn't in our wildest dreams as fans so uh, there's a lot of questions that I think we could get into, but this in a future episode this off season, we're going to sit down and do, you know, your kind of like dream dinner guests dream, you know, sit down at a bar, have a few beers and talk to these guys uh, dead, alive, active, retired. I think there's a lot of legendary figures in Michigan state football. So there's a lot of different directions we could take that. So we wanted to make sure we gave that our kind of full thoughts, but Again, uh, for all the all the people who are listening to this for the first time, we really appreciate you giving us a shot here. Hope you enjoy it. Michigan State football content the entire offseason. And then obviously once we get into the season, we go pretty in-depth. So uh, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Leave an Apple review if you enjoyed it. I really hope you did. And uh, we'll see you next week throughout this whole offseason. We're going every Monday. You'll get some MSU football content in your feed. Scott, any last thoughts before we sign off here? No, if we do see uh, MSU basketball this week, obviously go green. Uh, we'll be pulling for them and watching them. Like you said, hopefully everybody's healthy and safe and everything. Um, and, and hopefully we'll have some news on the safety coaches, maybe a couple of transfers by the next time we talk. But uh, to the Spartans in the NFL, good luck. Um, I know both of us are pulling for the Bucks and the Bills. So for those of you who want to roll with us, um, yeah, it should be a fun week. Yeah, for all the all the Michigan residents, right? Wager responsibly. I know this is uh, the first weekend that you're allowed to, so if you are so inclined, uh, make sure you do it responsibly. My dad always said uh, when we were walking into a casino or something, it's like take the amount of money that you would feel comfortable taking a lighter and setting on fire because that's probably what you're doing, right? So for all the new gamblers out there, Make sure you're doing it smartly and, uh, you know, really just do it, do it for entertainment purposes. Right. So I hope everybody has a great week. Follow on Twitter at standing room MSU and at Spartan Martin 18. Looking forward to, to some continued, uh, you know, conversations here with, with all the new folks. So hope you have a great week. Hope you have a great Monday. Take care folks.